Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my non-binary friends, welcome, welcome, welcome to another beautiful episode of Mental Health Mondays on the What The Fluff podcast. We have eight. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through them. We'll see. Try and keep this to about an hour. But we have some amazing, amazing questions to get through. I'm going to close that because I have friends on for Nugget in the other room and I can hear it and I really want to watch friends. So let's get it started, man. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I will include the questionnaire in the comment section, wherever you're listening to this, the description, whatever it's going to be. That way, if you guys aren't tuned into the stream, you could still get your questions answered. And ideally, you'll be able to hear that, uh, the response and all that in the next few weeks, depending on when I'm able to get to it. Again, this is the most questions we've ever had going into an episode. So we're just going to see what happens. Um... All right, so without further ado, we are going to have our first question be from the one and only Confi. Confi's question is, which I was able to get some, some backup information, is, is it okay to get mad at your significant other when he or she opens up about something that makes you uh, upset or something like that? Let me try and read this again, because I know, I know what you're trying to ask. Is it okay to get mad at your significant other when he or she opens up about something that makes him or her mad? And the, the update was, so for example, if you do something, so say John, myself, let's call my partner uh, Jen, all right? So if I do something and Jen doesn't like that and she tells me that it makes her feel some type of way, and then I get mad at telling her that what she told me wasn't cool. Is that normal? And how do I feel about that? Okay. So I hope that y'all were able to understand that question because I at least do in my mind. So for example, I check my phone in the middle of a movie. When I checked my phone in the middle of the movie, it made my partner Jen upset. She got upset at me, told her how it made me feel but then I, in turn, get upset with her for telling me about how she was feeling. All in all, this is complete bullshit. And this is the perfect example of absolutely piss poor communication in a relationship. Because my, my fir first and foremost, my belief in a relationship is that you have to have open, honest, and loving communication. If you are not able to have those three aspects in your communication, being open, loving, and honest, then you're not going to have a sustainable relationship. And one of the things that I've mentioned about in, a pre in previous episodes, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it, was that when it comes to communication, everything needs to be filtered through four things, which is, is it honest, necessary, kind, and truthful? I, I want, no. Honest, necessary, yeah, honest, necessary, kind, and true. So, meaning, I honestly feel this way. The thing that I'm going to tell you is done in a kind way. It is necessary in order for us to be happy together. And the behavior that you are exhibiting is truthful. If it can filter through all four of those things and it's something that's um, good, then, of course, bring that up to your partner. So, how I would have this example go in what I would deem as a healthy relationship or from the outside, what I would, how I would want this to go on in my life would be, I text in the movie, 
my partner says, Hey babe, um, you know, when you, I, I, I was really enjoying our time together, but when you pull out your phone, it makes me feel X, Y, or Z. Let's say it makes me feel like you don't enjoy spending time with me. It makes me feel ignored. And it makes me feel like you would rather be on your phone as opposed to be with me. If I then hear that and get upset at her for how she's feeling, I'm not actually being a kind, empathetic, listening partner because you just told me that something that I do is bothering you. Now, there are many, 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 many different ways in which this can go. For example, I could be the type of person that has a, uh, a chaotic job and I have to be on, I have to be on my phone or I have to take certain instances where I have to look at my phone. If that's the case, that is an instance where you and your relationship would have to have that discussion of, um, okay, so I know that you have to the, let's say Jen would say, Hey baby, I know you have to be on your phone a lot. Is it possible? Are you able to, Hey, when we have these little movie nights, or if we have these certain little moments, is it possible for you not to be able to be on your phone because it makes me feel boom. I love that. And I, as a loving partner, want my partner to be happy and, and feel that she is heard and loved and, and respected. So of course I'm going to search through every possible solution that I have um, to say, oh my gosh, okay, you know what? Unfortunately, I do have to be on my phone or I have to be on my phone at all times. I have to be able to look at it. However, um, I can, and then you can figure out whatever solution works best for you because every single person is going to be different. But the main thing that you have to be doing is listening to your partner. And understanding for the most part that they're probably not telling you these things because they want to be an asshole or anything like that. They just want to let you know that they are feeling a certain way. They want their thoughts and feelings respected. And then they would love for you to work on a solution to that. Again, it's not always going to be perfect. It might always, it, it might not be that, okay, after 5 PM, I'm not on my phone at all. That might not be realistic. What might be realistic is my phone is around. However, when we have an hour or a two hour or whatever it is you come up with during that time period, I will not look at my phone. And then that solves the issue because you're not always going to be able to get it your way. You're not always going to be able to have it be your partner's way. One of the best aspects of a relationship is to be able to compromise. I mean, we all have certain things we care about. Right. So there's going to be certain things that we would want to be our way most of the time. And then there's certain things that we don't care about. And so while you're in that relationship, it's really about finding those things that you're able to compromise on, able to give in on. And again, just being a partner that listens and is empathetic and wants the best from your partner. Because if you're intentionally hurting your partner, you're an asshole if you are not trying to alleviate that uh, stress or whatever it is from your partner, if it's something that you can do easily, why not? So that's my, that's my answer to Confi. To boil it down, communicate. Talk about what it is that's bothering you. Work on how you then can go about fixing it. You should never be upset at your partner for telling you how they feel, all right? There are going to be certain instances where it might be, uh, you might have to fight some reactivity on your part because it might upset you about uh, whatever they are having an issue with might upset you. But all they're trying to do is, is be honest and love you and find the best way 
for them to receive the most love and also love you the best. And in order for that to happen, you guys got to communicate about shit. So communication. All right. Now question from Bree K. Bree K asks, do I think it's true that the safest individuals, safest, saddest is I think what it was supposed to be. Do I think it's true that the saddest individuals are usually the most uh, generous, kind, and giving? That is very interesting because there is the taboo or the belief, especially when it comes to comedians, uh, well, comedians especially, that so much of their entertainment and personalities and laughter comes from sadness. And I, I don't think that's true. I think, because here's the thing, some of the saddest people are, are also those who cause the most harm to people. So I, I truly think that it's no different than anything in that there are going to be extremes on either side, but I think that the truth is somewhere in the middle. So yeah, there you can, you can be a very sad and hurt person and also want to be loving and kind and generous because you know that, or you have been shown that that can make others feel good and make you feel good. There's also the other side of the spectrum with those who are sad and hurt. And as opposed to using that sadness and hurt to build others up, they use it to bring others down because then they are able to feel good. I, I, I've never really understand. I've never been that putting someone down makes me feel good type of person, unless I'm with my buddies and we're just talking shit on each other, then it's all for lols. But yeah, I, I would think that there's, the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think, hmm, I don't know. I'm trying to think within myself, I was shown love and kindness and generosity. And so that made me want to be that to others. When it comes to those, I think it truly just matters what you are shown and what you experience when you're feeling that level of sadness and that level of lowness. If when you're at that low, pardon me, if when you're at that low level, you are given example, you are just further belittled or you are given examples of putting other people down and how that might make you feel better or insulting people or causing others harm. And that, and you see that and that ends up being that fuel for you, then that's the path you're going to go down. If you are someone who while still sad and depressed was shown kindness and love and empathy and things like that, then that is what I think you might lean towards. I, I don't think there's any one size fits all because again, I know many people who have had awful childhoods who are amazing people. I know people who have had great childhoods who are awful people. I know people who have had horrible childhoods and are awful people and awful childhoods that are great people. I think it really, there are so many things that come that factor into who you are as a person, biology, backstory, behavior. And I forget what the fourth one is. Heather, if you can help me out, biology, backstory, behavior, biology, biology, biography, backstory, behavior. That's what it is. So 
it's not just what you experience. It's also who your parents were. It's the environment that you grow up in. It's so many different things that end up determining who you become and, and in, in what ways you are fed the person that you're going to become, if that makes sense. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, that's one of those where I think it really is. It just all depends. Yeah. Some people can use their hurt and sadness to help uplift others and make others happier. Some people can use their, their hurt and sadness to further that hurt and sadness and hatred. Just look at the world. So many people have had it so hard and yet use their life to help others. So many people have had it so poorly and yet use their life to help bring, to help continue to keep others down. So while I would love to believe that everyone is going to choose to be generous, kind, and giving in their saddest or in their happiest, it's really just all on on the individual and it's how you were raised and your biology, biography, backstory, and behavior and how you go through life that will determine whether you're going to end up being a good person or not and how likely you are to engage in behavior that someone who's a good person would do. That makes sense. Every question is just going to end with if that made sense. So if that made sense, thank you. Our next question is from the one and only Jack Button. He just wanted to say that I'm amazing and an inspiration and a hoe. Button, thank you so much. All right, our next question. Oof, this is going to be a long one. Let's see how we go here. Is from the one and only Heather K. Here we go. What advice can I give someone trying to work through others attempting to place their emotions on me and bring me to their emotional state? A lot of this occurs with relation uh, with relation to parenting and your husband's view on what he feels should happen with. For example, a clean room versus more... Uh, versus your more relaxed views. What is the best way to not get swept away by emotions when someone close to you is not managing theirs well and it feels like you are try and it feels like they are trying to bring you down? Woo! Dear God. All right. I love this. Okay, so let's just start off right away. What advice can you give someone trying to work through others attempting to place their emotions on you and bring me to their emotional state? Heather, you probably already know what I'm about to say. Boundaries. Plain and simple. Not plain and simple. Plain and simple in practice, but in or in theory, but in practice, so much harder. So in my expert opinion as someone who's single and owns a dog and a cat and isn't married with children, this is going to be two steps. This is going to be number one of you enacting your, enacting your boundaries of how you feel is how you feel and I'm not responsible for how you feel. And number two would then be taking those boundaries and trying to come to a compromise when it comes to those certain things that you are looking for. So when it comes to the view of a bedroom, there has to be the boundary that is acknowledged of, okay, you care more about how clean the bedroom is. I don't. So if we, if we are going to tell the kids to clean their bedroom, we need to decide, okay, is it to your standard or is it 
to my standard that we want this cleaned. And then however that goes, amazing. You then are, are responsible for getting upset or doing the, the punishments if it is not up to your standard. Because here's the thing. I am not going to punish my child for your standard of cleaning. However, if you come, if you guys talk to one another and do come to a, I don't want to say a, and you guys come to an agreement on a mid-level of cleaning, then amazing. Once you guys come to that level of understanding, you can then hold the children to that same standard. However, if that's just not something you give a fuck about, then that's just the conversation you're going to have is, okay, you care more about this than I do. And I love you, but I am not going to care about this as much as you are. That is just who I am as a person. I'm going to put my frustrations into other or put my, however you want to phrase it, put my energy into other things. If this is something that you truly care about and you want to hold them to this standard, amazing. I love that. I am going to allow you to take that. I am going to allow you to worry about the bedrooms. I'm going to allow you to, to take that emotional energy and you use it how you like to. I'm not going to do that. Done. Easy. So, and then what is the best way to not get swept away by emotions when someone close to you is not managing theirs well and it feels like they're trying to break you down? That just then goes over to boundaries of, hey, I understand that you're feeling extremely angry, how you are feeling. And this, this is where it can get really, really tricky. I've had to have this conversation with a very close friend of mine. This, the, the, the emotional aspect can be very, very tough. And for me, how I went about it was I know, and I'm just going to use, I'm going to use anger, for example. So I had a friend who, when he would vent, he would get very, very angry and almost seemed like he wanted me to join in on said anger. I am not a person who enjoys feeling anger anger does not work well for me especially if if it comes to a point where others start to be insulted so you can say that you had the worst day at work and i will listen to that but the second that you start saying this person's a fucking idiot this person just doesn't get it i wish they would fuck it whatever that is where i immediately close off as a person and i then cannot be helpful to you in this instance so you have to take an inventory in your own self of what sort of emotional behavior doesn't work for you. And then again, explain that. But, but obviously I feel like it's eaten. It can be easier at a time when they're not as heated. So for example, if you, if this is like the freshest amount of heat that they're coming in with, this might not be the best time. Although you do need to have those boundaries enacted, it can be hard to enact it when it's so fresh in that moment. But if you're able to have an instance in the last few weeks or something, and you're able to sort of gather your own thoughts and realize what did and did not work for you, that's when you can say, hey, babe, so last time I've, I've had some, I've started to become very uncomfortable when you'd get angry around me and I wasn't sure why. But what I noticed is that I don't do anger well. When anger starts to be directed towards other people or people start to get insulted, it starts to make me uncomfortable and I start to shut down. I want to be able to be as supportive of a partner to you as I possibly can. And in order to do that, I need you to understand 
that I cannot, I will not be able to get as angry as you or to feel that level of anger that you are feeling. I do not want to diminish that anger. I do. I want you to be able to experience and feel everything that you have to. It's just when it gets to this point, I feel that I end up not being um, a supportive or a supportive or good partner for you in this instance. That is up, how they choose to react to that is up on them. So if that means that they need to get someone else to get that initial anger out and then they can come to you, amazing. But they need to understand that that doesn't work while you do want to be there. And that's, and that's the twofold thing of explaining that I do want to be here for you. I do want to know what it is that's going on that you're feeling and how we can work through this together. But I also need you to understand that there gets to a point where I can't help you get to that. Um, so that's any, any other, any other questions on that Heather? Cause I feel like I addressed it, but that's sort of where I'm at. You just have to have those boundaries and you have to know what works best for you and what doesn't. And take that to your partner and let them figure out how then that works best for all of them. So that's, uh, that's what I got there. Heather, thank you for your question. And I hope that helped. Let's move on to number two. Uh, we got a lovely person who's, who would rather not have their name be read. And I completely understand that. So the question is puffs. Uh, what do I feel about being empathetic versus apathetic in conversation with someone? I E someone is sharing the struggles they are going through and I respond with care and that I understand how they are feeling versus they share and I just don't show any interest and then go to change the subject instead of acknowledging their feelings and situations. So, I mean, so what do I, what do I feel about it? I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I guess I don't know the, the next extent of the question because how do I feel about it? I feel it's, it don't, okay. How I feel about it is this, A, you shouldn't be sharing your story with someone who does not deserve to hear it. That means if you know that someone is already apathetic and isn't the best person to hold space for you or to have advice or anything like that, don't fucking talk to them. It's so plain and simple. It sucks because one of the things you start realizing is that some of your closest friends that you thought are there to help you and are there to be your emotional support aren't able to do that. And that sucks because there's a lot of time that we invest into relationships and people. And as we grow as humans, those relationships don't always stick with us. They don't always provide the same amount of support and community and nurturing that they had previously. So First of all, my, I don't, I do not go to anyone with my emotional stuff unless I already know, tried, tested, and true that they can hold it because I, I already know where I'm at emotionally. I know my level of emotional intelligence and I'm not going to bring any of my problems into someone or uh, any of my problems to someone that I know will not be able to help me. 
which then goes to number two. There's the capacity to be able to help. And then the second aspect of this, which can also um, cause apathy, is does that person then have the space to actually utilize the capacity? So number one, does this person have the emotional intelligence, knowledge to support me in whatever issue I'm going through? One of the things that I talked about on a previous podcast is I am not going to get advice from someone who isn't all who isn't modeling a level of success in the area that I'm getting the advice from. For example, I am not going to talk to someone about my mental health issues to someone that I know does not have their mental health under control. Uh, I wouldn't say under control that doesn't have a grasp, understanding and the goal of further learning about their emotional health. If that is not who they are as a person, I'm not going to talk to them about mental health. If this person is not working to become successful in their finances, I'm not going to ask them financial, uh, financial tips. If I don't see them in acting good interpersonal uh, behavior, good communication skills, good relationship skills, good empathy and emotional skills, I'm not going to go to that person when it comes to relationship advice. And that's why I think you can go to someone who's been, that's, that's the tricky thing with advice is you can go to someone who's married for 50 years and to someone who's single and get better advice from the person who's been single than the people who've been married 50 years, because who knows if they're even going about it right. So that's where I'm not just going to go for anyone or go to anyone for advice. I'm going to make sure that they know and are, I'm going to make sure that they are confident or I want, basically, do you want the life of the person who you're asking advice for? That's the most simple way to put it. If you do not want someone else's life in that way, don't ask them advice for how they got there. That's my, that's, that's that. So the capacity for knowledge is number one, which I probably could have just said in like two words. The second is the actual capacity for space in that moment. So for example, for me, these last two, three weeks, I have had hardly any space. My brother passed away a couple weeks ago and it has taken me a couple weeks to even get on the phone with my dad and sister to talk about it. I haven't had the space for those types of conversations. So that would lead, if someone tried to bring that to me before asking if I had the space for it, that might lead to a very apathetic response because I just simply don't have that in me right now. I don't have enough me to give you to help you out in your situation while still having enough me left over. That's one of the main reasons why I would take streams off is because this is so giving for me, if you will. This is so external that a lot of times it can be tiring and I don't have enough for, for a long conversation with a friend after this or long conversations after this. I just want to chill. And that has to be okay. So when it comes to the empathetic versus apathetic response, you have to go through those two filters. You have to think, is this someone that I actually even want to engage in? Is this someone that is going to be able to help me in whatever aspect that I'm uh, seeking the advice for? And then number two, do they even have the space to offer me that level of help? And I think that if you can... If you, and also I'm just going to throw what Mage is saying, 
go to someone that will tell you the honest truth. That is, that is why I have those filters of honest, necessary, kind, and true. Because I don't want a friend that's going to lie to me. That's why I love the mod, the mod squad that we have. Because I can, there were times where I said, dude, what the fuck is going on with stream? And the amount of times that they were just like, you know, we're not trying to be a dick, but you're not being consistent. You're not consistent with your times. You're not consistent with how often you're live. You're not consistent with the certain days that you're going. And immediately I was like, fuck, dude, you're right. And that's why for the last few months, I haven't missed as many streams as I, I've missed less streams in the last few months than I've missed. Dear God, in a very, very long time because because of that level of communication of that level of honesty and they also do it in a way that is kind that is honest that is necessary that is true they don't say dude you're a piece of shit and you miss streams that's that's not kind but hey you're not as consistent as you have to be now if that hurts me that's on me I asked them, and that's also the part you have to understand if you ask for the friend if you ask your friends for the truth you have to understand that that truth might hurt you and you should know or hopefully have friendships that show that they are not trying to say those things to be mean to you. They only want you to be better. They only want you to improve and they are only going to tell you the honest, necessary, kind and true things to make you a better person. Um, so that's where I feel with that. And yeah, dude, if you ever are in a situation and you're getting an apathetic response for someone from someone, just get up and go. That's what I had when I went to my first psychotherapy appointment a few months ago. The person was like, was very apathetic, was very ununderstanding and unaccommodating. And I left. I took myself out of it. I said, awesome, this isn't helping for me. And I shut my laptop. So you have to be the one to stand up for yourself and... That's where it starts. And then also figuring out whether they're qualified enough to give you advice and then whether they have enough space to give that advice. So there we go. Thank you so much for that question. Let's move on to our next one. From the one, the only, Courtney S. How do you, oh my goodness, this is gonna be fun. Um, fuck me, Courtney, dear God. All right, this might, this might be a phone a friend one. How do you confront generational trauma within a family unit that still affects all family members of the family beyond confronting your own experiences with the trauma and taking the necessary steps to move through and heal from that trauma? Courtney, if you feel comfortable, would you be able to give? Oh, I did, Heather. I did. Uh, would you be able to give an example? It doesn't even have to be from, with your, from within your own family because, again, that's, that's a really, 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 really tough, tough thing, especially if you are within the family and it's like you are actively involved in the family because, and, and this is when it gets to the family stuff, this is where I feel like I can be one of the more harsh people on this because I am of the belief of, I don't care if you're blood or not. 
I have certain boundaries and levels of respect and decorum that I hold those closest to in my life. If you want to be in my life, you have to abide by that. You have to be that certain level of person. I don't, I, ha, I, I actually ended up texting, my mom texted me for the first time in, I can't remember, probably six months or so. It was going on earlier in this year. Um, but first time we've texted in God knows how long, but it's, I don't talk to my mom simply because of a lack of respect of boundaries and I won't put up with it. So that's, that's really, really where an example would be people downplaying success experiences due to abuse or others having it worse, perpetuating the cycle. I mean, Mage, yeah, your answer is right. So, um, so Courtney, are you saying that those in your family are downplaying the success and experiences that you have had? I, I mean, that's, yeah, that, that. So there's two things. You can, you can go, you can go more, uh, angel. You have always followed the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. Love that. Um, yeah. So court, I, and I'm sorry for everyone listening. Cause you're probably just hearing me stutter for the last three minutes. So step number one. Again, I feel like so many of these, every single, every single step one is boundaries, is realizing what it is that bothers you, what it is that, that's upsetting you, and how that or just flat out ignoring problems. Okay. Yeah. So first is boundaries, um, which I think would be explaining... I don't think we have enough time for this one. This like this is this this is why people go to therapy. This isn't like a question. This is a a lifestyle that has to be switched. Um fucking hell, Courtney, you did. You did. I've never wanted to unread a question before. So there's 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 two aspects. Number one is the boundaries. And that is, again, just figuring out what you are responsible for emotionally and not. Then it would be sticking up with those boundaries. So, for example, if someone says, oh, you didn't have, no, uh, uh, you, uh, dude, I'm trying to even think of an example, man. Um... Yeah, court, this one, I'm going to have to leave to the experts. I would say first would be boundaries. Second would be meet them where they are. If, if this is someone you still want to engage in, some, it, it's so tough because you're around family so often that some people you just have to, one of the things that I've been, one of the things that I've had to say to myself, actually, fuck, okay, we might've found the answer. The tough part is, People are only going to improve and grow when they want to. So 
if it is a part of your family that they do not process these things and they ignore, belittle, whatever it might be, that is where you have to truly own your own boundaries, know where you begin and end what you are responsible for emotionally and not, and then just have, you, you can then try with those of your family members that you feel might be receptive to try and, you know, let them on to your, your ideas of boundaries and respect and that sort of deal. And then when you get to the point where it's everyone else past that, the, the toughest and one of the things that I'm actually going to be talking to my therapist about in how to solidify this a lot stronger is the idea that you're just not there yet. And the you're being the other people in your family. So one of the things that I've been saying to myself when I, I scroll past someone who said something stupid or emotionally childish on the internet as opposed to getting angry, as opposed to getting upset, as opposed to trying to go in and fix it, is I just say, okay, they're just not there yet. And that has become something difficult, but actually something pretty rewarding because what you're able to say is, okay, I see where you're at. It might not be at a place where you're going to be a regular part of my life, but I witness and I acknowledge that you are at where you're at and where you're at, you just don't understand the things that I understand. And once you get to that point, you, you, you kind of, like we said in the, in the earlier part, it is what it is, right? We all have different family dynamics. We all have family members that we have issues with that we are able to disconnect from. We have family members that we have issues with that we maybe don't see as often so it can become more tolerable. We have issues with family members that we see every damn day. We have to realize that we cannot change those around us unless they want to change. So we can offer them tools and suggestions if they are receptive to that. If they are not amazing, they are where they're at and how they choose to live their life determines how much access they get to my emotional life and myself as a person. And then from there, if it's someone you have to see every day, it just becomes to, it just becomes accepting that they're where they're at and you don't have to go down that road with them if you don't want to. You can stay within your boundaries and not engage with them in the way that they want to and sort of just go from there. Um, so yeah, and then asking questions throughout that yeah, I, I feel like we ended up getting to a little bit of an answer there. Um, but first step, acknowledging those boundaries and then realizing, making sure that you're standing up for those boundaries and then also acknowledging the fact that not everyone is going to respect them. Not everyone is going to do that. And as opposed to getting extremely frustrated, potentially, if you can't remove from yourself from the situation, just accepting that that person is not at a good emotional place and is not at a place of being able to understand, and that is okay. They are on their own journey, and that can be that, you know? Um, so yeah, Courtney, I hope that helped. I feel like we were able to work through it. It took us a bit, but I like where we ended up. All right, next, 
We have a lovely question from the one and only Ethan L. Excuse me, who asked? How do you approach defending a person that is not sticking up for themselves? Example, being a female who was budged in line by a bigger guy that just completely ignored her. That is also a great question. A, so, ah, A, it needs to be about her. So your defense of her, it's not about how you react to her reaction. It's about you being an empathetic partner and being there for her, right? So if she doesn't care that it happens and doesn't want a big issue to be created about it, awesome. That's what she wants. If she was upset and, you know, would like, would feels that she's a smaller uh, smaller woman and doesn't feel comf- uh, comfortable standing up for herself but would love it if you did amazing then that's what you do i think what you have to do is you just have to talk to her and you have to see what she wants from the situation because i know a lot of women who just don't want an issue who have had this happen so many times and it ends up becoming a bigger problem when they stand up for themselves or when something is said or whatever, when at the end of the day, all they want to do is to not think about it and just move on to the next thing. There's other women who might want you to stand up for them, who might want something to be said. But again, this needs to be a conversation with her. You need to see how she's feeling, how she wants you uh, to react and how you can be how you can be there for her in the best way possible. Because yeah, obviously you can, Hey dude, you knocked my girlfriend over. But if she doesn't want that, then there's no point in doing that. So yeah, talk to her, see how she's feeling about this. See how she feels. Maybe put some different scenarios uh, in her mind to see how you guys would go about the, uh, that scenario in the next one. So yeah, I think, I think that's a good, a a good little example. You just ask. Yeah. Cause I know it's tough as a woman, especially to stand up for yourself in that situation against a dude. Probably don't, I don't know this level of success you might have in those situations, but as a woman, it's not the best situation to be in. And I feel a lot of women might just end up wanting to not engage, but again, it's up to you and that lovely lady of yours to figure out, you know, appreciate that question, man. All right, we got three more, baby. Someone says boxers, briefs, or commando. Boxer briefs slash commando. Thank you for the question. Come on. All right, we got a lovely question from KB. How to deal with sadness of losing your mother. Best friend after two years of being gone. I mean, as as tough as this sounds, this is going to be a question that's going to be best answered from you kb uh yeah it's however you want it however you want to deal with this because grief is a fickle bitch and there's going to be days where you feel amazing there's going to be days where you feel like you were just told the news uh that she passed ideally those days are farther and few uh few between as they continue to progress 
Yeah, I think it's just knowing that you're going to be sad, holding on to that sadness. And yeah, that's, that's, loss is such a tough thing that I really, I really don't know if anyone knows how to do it. Like there's no, there's no how to grieve. There's no one size fits all when it comes to sadness. Some days are going to be harder. Some days are going to be easier. Some days you're not going to feel anything. Some days you're going to feel everything. And so it's just making sure I think that you have that routine for yourself of knowing the things that you love, knowing the things that make you the happiest, knowing those in your life that make you feel the most recharged and fueled and loved. And when you have those moments trying to surround yourself with all of that, trying to think of the good moments you had with your mom, think of those amazing experiences you had. If it helps you work through the sadness and you got, and you had a, a special movie you guys would always watch together or a special song, maybe put that on. For certain people, diving into that sadness by playing a sad song helps you move through it, helps you work through it. Some, it, help, it makes you get stuck. So that's really, that's going to be on, on you in terms of how you decide to, to, to work through it. You know, do you want to feel that sadness? Do you need to exacerbate the sadness and make yourself almost more sad in order to truly feel those things? Great. Do you need to go and, and run and, and be physical in order to feel all those things? Great. Do that. I think the, the main takeaway would be there is no right way to grieve. There is no wrong way to grieve. You just got to grieve, you know? So I'm so sorry. Can we get some puppy loves for KB on that? I appreciate your question and know that we're, we're thinking about you and we're, we're keeping that love in there. All right, we got Davey H to round out this last question, which starts with not really a question, more of a huge thank you. Your mental health has taken a massive hit. Over the past few months, and you've been really struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, uh, Mental Health Mondays has started to make you understand that there's always hope and there's always an ear to bend outside of your immediate family. With that, you'd like to thank me and the whole pup club. Thank you so much for that, dude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Y'all, we did it. We freaking did it. That is another Mental Health Monday in the books I have to say, probably one of the harder ones that we've had with some of these questions, but you guys are making me want to do more reading, do more learning to be able to have the best possible ideas, points, whatever it is for us to be able to talk about. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in to this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Mental Health Mondays. I hope you guys got something out of it. As always, drop a like, drop a comment, hit the sub wherever it is you're listening Feel free, check out the questionnaire in the description, whatever it is below. If you got a question, we answer it. Mondays on Twitch for Mental Health Monday. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And I can't wait to catch you on a beautiful new episode of Mental Health Mondays next Monday. I'll see you then.